2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. We'll be having service tonight. If you'd like to join us, 5 o'clock this evening. Amen. We'd love to have you come back and be with us. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. I want to use verse 8. I'll preach a little bit on all these verses, but verse 8 for our key text. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Amen. I want to just title the message this morning, Jesus is Alive. Jesus is Alive. Father, we thank you again for the precious privilege and opportunity it is to gather with the saints of God in your house. God, we stand upon the promise that we're two or three are gathered in your name. You are in our midst. And I thank you for that promise. I ask you that you'll anoint the preaching, the hearing and the receiving of the word. Give us ears to hear. Oh, God, in the heart of flesh, that your seed, your word will fall upon the good ground of our heart. It's clay in a potter's hand. Mold us. Form us. Shape us in your own image, in your own likeness. Let us leave this house more like you. That is your heart. That is your will and your desire. It's for us to be like Jesus. God, you're a miracle worker. Pray for Sister Pam and others that need a miracle in their body here today. You would touch with your miraculous power to heal. There's one here lost you'd save, Lord, because you are and always will be a Savior. You would fill us and refill us all as believers with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. God, for everything you do for us, we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Not one of us can read the New Testament without observing, without coming to the conclusion that the suffering... And the resurrection of our Lord Jesus are cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. It's the doctrines that every other doctrine is built upon. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then your faith is in vain. 
and we are yet in our sin. I'm glad to know that I've met him. I've met him. I know he's alive. Amen. I, I just had the privilege, made mention of it in uh, Sunrise, to go to Israel in November. Many of you here know that. I've seen the place where they believe he rose from the dead, visited an empty tomb, but years, many years before I ever visited an empty tomb, I was convinced of the fact that Jesus was indeed alive. Amen. I met him in an altar, confessing my sins, repenting of my sin, was gloriously born again by faith. In the Gospels, we see the redemptive event, redemption's story, Calvary. In the book of Acts, we have the experience of redemption being lived out by the apostles and all who believed upon it. And in the epistles, you have the redemptive explanation of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul majored on that theme throughout all of his epistles. And he insisted that this message, he said, henceforth, I will know nothing among you except for Christ and Him crucified. Amen. He insisted that that message was the ground of salvation, the goal of sanctification, and that it would bring about service and obedience in the life of the believer. Paul's writing this last epistle to Timothy, his son, he calls him, in the Lord. And he is determined that young Timothy won't falter, neither will he fail under the pressure of preaching or the pressure of persecution. And he exhorts him in verse number 8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. What's he saying in short? He's just saying, after everything that I've told you prior to this point, come what may, remember that Jesus is alive. If every devil in hell stands against you, remember Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive. Remember, if you're in a jail cell somewhere, Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive. That means something. If he's alive, he's with me. If he's alive, He's still moving. He's still working. He's hearing and he's answering prayers. No matter what you face, Paul's about to face the guillotine, his own self. Remember, if they try to tack you to a cross, that's exactly what they did to the apostle Peter and his wife. Remember, John, if they lower you into a pot, a cauldron of boiling oil or exile you to the Isle of Patmos. Remember, Jesus is alive. It was, it was the key cardinal doctrine of the faith. It is what inspired them. It is what propelled them. 
It is what gave them motivation to live this life. If in this life only we had hope in Christ Jesus, miserable people we would be. All I had to read was the historical account that Jesus came and he died in my place and for me. And he, and if you could go to his tomb like they go to the tomb uh, of Muhammad, if you visited his tomb like they visit the shrine of Buddha, and there he would be. What a miserable, what a pathetic existence uh, being a Christian would be. Oh, but praise be to God. The throne of heaven is filled with his occupancy this morning. He rose. He ascended to the right hand of God. He's in his rightful place. And he ever lives to make intercession. To know that Jesus is alive and he's praying for me. To know that the same Christ that walked on the waters and said, Peace be still is alive and can walk on the stormy waters of my life and at any moment can say to the storm that I find myself in, peace be still, it means everything to me. To know that the same Christ of Calvary that died and rose again can say to the devil, you can touch his stuff, you can touch his body, but you can't have him. He's mine. Hallelujah. That same Jesus. Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see taken from you shall come again in like manner as you've seen him go. That's my blessed hope. I said, that's my blessed hope. Yours might have been Donald Trump in making America great again. Mine's Jesus coming back. Amen. Carrying us to heaven with him. We're going to celebrate around the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're coming back. We're coming back and the kingdoms of this world is going to become the kingdoms of our God. Oh, yes, sir. He's going to rule it uh, with a rod of iron. Somebody said, man, did you see what Trump did? Drop that mother of all bombs. Uh, he means business, don't he? I said, man, you ought to wait and see what Jesus is going to do when he comes back and reigns on the whole earth uh, with the church. Uh, and every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ uh, is the Lord. To the glory of God the Father. We're going to reign and rule with Him. I'm telling you, everything is going to be put under His feet. You'd do well to serve Him now. Amen. I, I love the message, the theme, the doctrine of the resurrection. I even like the holiday, even though they've changed it to Peter Cottontail. Hopping down the bunny trail. I like the holiday of Easter. I like the fact that families like to get together. I like the fact that people maybe that normally wouldn't attend church will go for whatever reason, whether it's to be with family or to hear a message or, you know, or that's just tradition. 
It gives us the opportunity to preach one of the most cardinal doctrines of our faith. That Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Paul said, I don't care whether the gospel's preached under false pretense. I just praise God that the gospel was preached. Whoever heard it and received it by faith had an opportunity to be born again. Amen. Paul is writing again this final epistle to Timothy. And he exhorts him. He encourages him. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. In other words, come what may or come what will, Jesus is alive. What Paul says to Timothy is the ultimate message for you and I this morning. <clears throat> for us to know that Jesus is alive is all that really matters. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. All that matters is that we know that Jesus is alive. He's our risen Lord. He's soon to come again. That, find, that gives me courage and helps me find courage to live for Christ and also comforts me should I have to die for Christ. That's what I love about this faith. God will give you faith to live by and faith to die by if you need it. Amen. We are, number one, to remember the fact of the resurrection. Listen, when you talk to people about Jesus is alive, it can't be because you've studied it out. Like somebody wanting to write a paper or give a book report, you've got to talk to them with assurance. Faith is assurance. Faith is no so. Amen. Faith is evidence of things not seen. Faith doesn't doubt. Faith knows. That's what faith is. Faith isn't. Thumping a penny in the wishing well and say, I wish or I hope or I think. Faith is I know. Amen. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul is stating to Timothy a no-so fact. I, I can tell you, son, that Jesus is alive. I met him. For the Apostle Paul, he would have told you, I seen him. He would have told you, he touched me. I was blind, but now I can see. Do you know that's our testimony too? I once was blind, but now I can see. Praise God. He was stating fact that according to my gospel, Jesus Christ died and rose Again from the dead. That has to be our gospel as well. There's the fact of prophetic evidence, meaning according to the scripture. The phrase of the seed of David shifts our focus back to the prophetic utterances of the Old Testament. We can read in Second Samuel chapter 
number 7 in verses 12 and 13 and when the days or when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers i will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and i will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and i will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. That's God speaking to David and somebody said, well, he's talking about Solomon building a house. No, he's not talking about Solomon. He's talking about Jesus who would be born of the seed of David. And then he says in Psalms 89 and verse 28, my mercy will I keep for him forevermore and my covenant shall stand fast with him. In Christ there is mercy. Through the covenant of Calvary, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. It is a covenant that God said will stand fast with Him throughout eternity. Nothing hell can do will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Why? Because God will not forget the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. Nothing will ever remove the precious blood. Those precious blood stains were made there just for me. Hallelujah. Through all my sin, my sickness, and my shame, when I need healing, I claim those precious blood stains. My covenant shall stand fast with Him. John said, I beheld a lamb as it had been slain. He said, there was one in heaven found worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And I beheld him as a lamb that had been slain. And all of heaven was worshiping him. Praise and honor and glory and strength and wisdom and power unto the lamb that liveth forever and ever. Forever, for eternity, he will be recognized for the covenant uh, that we have with him, his blood. For by thy blood thou hast made us kings and priests uh, unto our God, and we shall reign with him forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 132 and verse 17, There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for my anointing. God promised that he would bless the seed of David and establish a covenant with him forever and that his throne would endure forever. That is the prophetic evidence of Jesus Christ being the seed of David raised from the dead, his forever covenant. Then there's the fact of historic Evidence. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. The four Gospels are united in their testimony that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. In the book of Acts, the apostles were likewise united in their testimony to the resurrection of the Savior. We read in Acts 4 and verse 33, and with great power, 
gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. You know what they were doing when they laid hands on the sick and they recovered? They were giving witness that Jesus is alive. You want to know what happened when they laid hands on the dead and they were raised from the dead? They were giving witness that Jesus is alive. You want to know what happened when they prayed in the name of Jesus and God answered their prayer and did wonderful and marvelous things? Their, their prayer life gave witness to the fact that Jesus was alive and answering prayer. When they preached in the name of Jesus, uh, and when God confirmed the word with signs following, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, gave witness that Jesus, uh, the message of the gospel, is indeed alive, uh, and that He is moving and working. The word made flesh, uh, the, the, the power of the gospel is the author of the gospel. Amen. The living word, the gospel. Is alive, it's the power, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. This gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And if you preach it, men will be saved. Why? Because Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is a Savior who can take a drunkard and make him sober. Who can deliver an addict. Amen. Who can stop, uh, you know, uh, run around Joe? From cheating on his wife. Amen. Who can stop running around Sally from cheating on her husband? Let them call upon the name of the Lord. And God will place a new heart in them. They'll be faithful because Christ is faithful. Amen. Simply said or uh, more simply stated, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The Apostle Paul said, I know that in me dwelleth no good thing, that is, in my flesh. But it, he said, it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Amen. What you like about me ought to be Jesus inside of me. Sometimes what people dislike about you is Jesus inside of you. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Amen. Listen, there's the historic evidence. All throughout the Gospels, all throughout the book of Acts, they were united in the message that Jesus was alive and well. Also, there's the fact of dynamic evidence. You say, what do you mean? Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead. Listen, according to my gospel. Paul didn't write Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those were the four synoptic gospels. Paul wrote letters to the churches which we call epistles. He said, according to my gospel, he's not, ta- he's not saying that my, all of my letters are the historical account of the life of Jesus. It's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying take one of my epistles and, and include them with the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which give the historical account, the life, the ministry of Jesus Christ. His were instructional letters to the church. Yes, he taught them about Christ. 
He's saying, according to my gospel. In other words, I experience him alive for myself. I experience him alive for myself. That has to be your experience. He said, if any man comes to you preaching any other gospel except that that I have preached unto you already, let him be accursed. He's saying, count him to be a devil. There's only one gospel that Jesus, uh, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Ghost, the sinless, spotless, holy Lamb of God, died not for his sin, not of any fault of his own, but died in my place, uh, rose on the third day, ascended to the right hand of God, poured out his Holy Ghost, is coming back in resurrection power to receive his church, his bride unto himself. If any man tries to preach any other gospel, let him be called a devil. Amen. It was his gospel because it had dynamically impacted and altered the course of his life, his fate, his eternity. Paul wasn't just concerned with the event as it occurred at one point in time like so many people are, but with the evidence of the risen life of Christ in his own experience. Do you know he's alive? Have you seen him? Not with the natural eye, but with the eye of faith. Have you heard his voice? Not the audible voice, but have you heard the voice of his spirit speaking to your heart, drawing you unto him? You heard him speak to you through the word of God. Have you heard his spirit talk? While the preacher preaches, while you're listening to that gospel song, has God spoken to your heart? Do you know He's alive? And if you do, why are not you living for Him? The only reason I could ever imagine that a person would say, yes, I know He's alive, but no, I'm not living for Him. Is they're just taking somebody else's word for it. You don't really know for yourself he's alive. You're just taking mama's word for it. You're just taking dad's word for it. Grandpa, grandma's word for it. Brother or sister's word for it. This isn't a third party salvation. You gotta know him for yourself. You gotta meet him. You gotta discover yourself. Hey, Thomas said, Hey, it's, it's all right, boys. It's good enough for you to say he's alive because you've seen him. Hey, we fought Thomas, but they didn't believe either. Jesus walked through after his resurrection. One week after his resurrection, they're still gathered together the first day of the week on a Sunday evening. <laughs> Somebody said... Sunday night services aren't necessary. That's just traditional. I said, man, the first time the disciples ever saw Jesus alive all together was on a Sunday night. Amen. He shows up every Sunday night. They were together on a Sunday night. The first time he appeared unto all of them at once, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, had seen him. You know, at the tomb, on the way from the tomb, had told the disciples, 
Go, I go before them into Galilee. You tell them that I'll meet them there. That's where they are. They gathered together. It's been a week now. So on a Sunday evening, he just walks into the room, right through the wall. They were terrified. They were scared to death. Oh, it's a ghost. He said, do you have anything to eat and drink? He said, I'm not a ghost. He ate and drank in their midst. He said, touch me. Handle me. See the prints in my hands where they drove the nail. He said, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Hey, we we put off on Thomas pretty bad because he wouldn't believe. He said, I... Hey, I wasn't here, and y'all said y'all seen him. He said he ate and drank him, you know, a, a meal. You said you got to touch him and feel the print of the nails in his hand. He said, you just expect me to believe it at face value? He said, no. I want a little pr- living proof for my own self. <laughs> he said, except I see him, except I touch him and feel the print. Where they drove the nail in his hand. And I can thrust my hand up into his side where they drove the spear. I will not believe. Jesus walked right back in. He said, Thomas. He said, here I am. Here's the print in my hands. Pulled his robe back and said, take your arm and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. He dropped to his knees and said, My Lord and my God. He said, Bless, he said, Because you've seen me, you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. I want to tell you, have you believed for yourself? Have you ever had such an encounter with Christ that it dropped you to your knees and made you say, My Lord and my God? you ever have that encounter, honey, you won't ever be the same again. Glory to God. I said, if you have that encounter, you won't ever be the same again. Thomas wasn't. The disciples weren't. And neither will you be. Amen. Can't be third party. It has to be your experience. Your gospel. It's your life. Your eternity is at stake. Have you seen him? Have you met him? Do you know it's so? Also, we're to consider not only the fact of the resurrection, but the force of it, the power of it. Amen. Addressing Timothy, again, his son in the faith. Also addressing you and I, Christian men and women, who would read that epistle throughout the centuries. He says, be strong. In verse number one of our text, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'd never, you know, in this 2 Timothy chapter 2, I was telling Brother Corey this morning, I've preached on, you know, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'd preached on, uh, you know, every man that strives for the mastery must also strive lawfully if he expects to receive the crown. But I didn't realize all of that was the text. It was in our text this morning, but it was leading up to the climax 
of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole message was about. And in that first verse, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. In these words, he implies there is a supernatural enablement, a supernatural power and grace to stand, to strive, and to serve this Christ. He tells us, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That's in verses 3 and 4. As Christians, he gives us power to stand, to stand for Jesus. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be ostracized. Somebody said, come out from the world and be your separate, saith God. I find that when you stand for Jesus, you're not necessarily coming out of the world, but the world will separate itself from you. You're not laughing at their filth. You're not going where they go. You're not hanging with their crowd. You're not speaking their language. You don't live like they do. You don't think like they do. You don't talk like they do. You're not entertained by the things that entertain them. They find somebody else. Nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes to be ostracized. But the Bible said if we suffer with Him, we'll reign with Him. And if we're crucified with Him, then we live with Him. It's quiet this morning. This is the... Easter message. Amen. As Christians, we're engaged in a battle with the world, with the flesh, and with the devil. So Paul instructs Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Or more literally, it reads, take your fair share of suffering. Amen. As tough as the battle is, we're to withstand the enemy. Ephesians 6 and 13, having done all to stand, stand therefore. The armor and the weapons which God supply make no provision for retreat or defeat. If you look at the armor in Ephesians chapter 6, the backside's not protected. God never called us to retreat from the devil. Amen. Never called us to retreat from the devil. He never told us to succumb unto defeat either because Satan was defeated at Calvary. So we remember that we're more than conquerors through him that's loved us, Romans 8 and 37. Also as Christians, we have the power not only to stand for Christ but to strive for it. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. That's in verse number 5. As Christians, we have a race to run, a course to finish. Paul turns our thoughts from the scene of the battlefield to the athletic arena of the Olympics. I'd never seen that before in this text leading up to the resurrection of Christ. That we have, we, we have to have the discipline of a soldier to endure hardness. Then you have to have the discipline of an athlete. He said, points out that a con- in order for a contestant to qualify, as well as to win or to be crowned, he has to adhere or obey all of the rules 
So the challenge is not only wholehearted devotion, as in the case of a soldier, but also wholehearted obedience, as the case of an athlete abiding by the rules. And then we see the discipline next of a farmer. Everybody in Baldwin County ought to be able to relate to a farmer, am I right? If you're not one, you know somebody that is, or you're kin to somebody that is, or was. He mentions the discipline of a farmer in verse 6. The husbandman, the farmer that laboreth, must be first partaker of the fruits. As Christians, we have a job to do. And that calls for faithfulness. In other words, if you're going to harvest fruit, you have to be faithful to break up the fallow ground. You have to be faithful to sow the seed. You have to be faithful to believe God and to wait upon the rain. When it comes, you have to be faithful to care and nurture the plant, readying for the harvest. And all the time that that plant is growing, you're waiting, you're nurturing that plant, waiting for the harvest. The husbandman that laboreth must first must be first partaker of the fruits. Here Paul uses the imagery of the orchard. The fruit farmer must dig the ground, sow the seed, water the earth, prune the tree, ultimately He exercises faith. If a farmer has no faith, he may as well quit farming. The Bible said in in Proverbs, I believe it is, that if you observe the sky, the only time you're interested in planting is if you think it's going to rain. It says you're never going to yield a harvest. You've got to plant. When it's planting time. And you've got to trust God. That he'll send the rain. In a similar way we have to show faithfulness. In all of our service to Jesus. Only then will we bear the fruit. That glorifies his name. Last I'm closing with this thought. We are to deliver. The faith. Of the resurrection. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. Was raised from the dead. According to my gospel. Wherein. I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even under bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake. That's verses 8 through 10. If we've been convinced of the fact and then the force of the resurrection, then we cannot be silent about our faith. I said if you're convinced of the fact And the force of the resurrection, you can't be silent about your faith. You can't be. You have to tell somebody. Amen. You ever heard that old southern gospel song? Go and tell somebody what the Lord can do. Go and tell somebody what he's done for you. Amen. Because the Lord Jesus was a living reality unto him. Paul was prepared to preach the gospel, whatever the cost and wherever the call. That's exactly what he wanted Timothy to do, and that's exactly what God wants you to do. 
So we must preach the gospel whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. I'm shy. What's it going to cost you? A little embarrassment? I get embarrassed. But I'd rather be embarrassed for Jesus than be ashamed that he's coming and embarrassed because I didn't do what he asked me. I'd rather somebody giggle and laugh at me. I'd rather somebody say, I was long-winded. I'd rather somebody say that I, you know, scream too loud, that I have a southern drawl or a southern accent. I'd rather somebody make fun of me somehow for something that I'm doing in obedience to God's call than never to have done it for fear of what they're going to say. For I'm going to be all of those things whether I do God's will or not. Amen. I'm just saying whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. He said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even under bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Paul takes great pain to tell Timothy. While he is in prison for preaching the gospel, he is saying to him, I am in bonds, but the word of God is not bound up. I'm in prison, but Timothy, there's a call on your life and you're not. what this the power of this gospel is. He that hears it, he that receives it, is supposed to bear the fruit of it. Carry it out. You, you, you go to any of these stands of trees around here where you see planted pines, walk through them. Yes, there's planted rows where a sower went in and sowed the seed, took care to make them grow. There's rows everywhere. Brother, Brother David, being a hunter, he knows what I'm talking about. Let, let those trees stand. Let them stand for a few seasons. And there's volunteers growing everywhere. Let believers that hear and receive the gospel, let them take a stand for Jesus. And they too will preach what they have received. What they have heard. They will tell. I won't ever forget. First time I seen on Facebook, Brother Russ holding a microphone out on a street corner somewhere. Picture of him out there preaching, just pointing his finger. He come back to church and said, man. I said, I seen you wasn't carrying the cross. You were out there preaching. He said, Brother Eddie, I ain't no preacher. He said, but I've been praying, man. And he said, how can you hear what we hear and not do anything? You can't hear the message of the gospel. Be impacted by it and do nothing. You have to do something. Christ in you rises up. He lives his life through you. 
whether it's through one-on-one discourse, like with the woman at the well. You may not have a microphone stand on the street corner and preach a message, but you are going to work. You are going to live next to somebody that's lost and on their way to hell, and God expects you to open your mouth. Talk to them. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them what you know, what has been sown in your heart. Whatever the cost, doesn't matter. I asked him, I said, what would you preach? This is what really dealt with me. He said, I preached what you preached last Sunday. I said, really? He said, yeah, I just take notes. When you preach, and I figure God's going to hold me accountable for what I've heard, I take notes and I go back home and study it out and let God really make it real to me. And I take those notes out on the street and I re-preach it to them. I thought, man, that's awesome. If I weren't a preacher, I believe I could do that. Take notes and just tell somebody else what the preacher said. I know some people that just get them a stack of CDs. Said, man, our service was awesome. I want you to hear what God said to us. That's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. They may take the CD and toss it right in the trash without ever having listened to it, but they'll answer for it on the day of judgment. You hear me? They'll answer. Their blood won't be on your hands. And then they'll have to lie to me the next time I see them. Do you listen to that CD? <laughs> They'd have to lie to me because I'd ask them. Amen. Listen, he points out that in the course of preaching the gospel, he was accused of being an evildoer. And that's why he was in bonds. Word evildoer in the text there means criminal or malefactor. The same exact words that were used of the two men that were crucified with Jesus. Do you know what he's saying? If you preach the gospel, if you stand for the Lord, if you tell others about him, they'll crucify you like they crucified him. But he said if you're crucified with him, you're going to live with him. like Jesus was risen you'll be raised with him glory listen if we're not prepared to share his shame then we're not worthy to sit with him on the throne last curse if you'll come help me I'm finished we must preach the gospel wherever the call he said therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that I may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This shook me as well. Listen again. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. He links his enduring hardship his obedience, 
his faithfulness to the call to their salvation. That if I don't do my part, they are going to go to hell. They are going to be lost. Somebody's got to answer for that. God is calling out of people. Do you know the Bible said God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want one man to go to hell. God doesn't want one woman, one young person to go to hell. Not one. His remedy for that is you. I said his remedy for that is you. He said some are going to bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, some 100-fold. Talks about those elect. You know who the elect are? It's not predestination. Many are called, few are chosen. The chosen are worded elect in the epistles. You don't know who the chosen are? It's the whosoever will. Let him come. And let him drink of the water of life freely. The elect or the chosen are the ones that answer the call. So he talks about the elect as as those who have yet to be saved. The elect are scattered all over this world. They have to be searched out with the light of the gospel. One of the most powerful incentives to fulfill the mandate of our Lord to preach the gospel to every creature in Mark 16 and 15. Preach the gospel to every creature. Is that they're out there somewhere and they're not going to be saved unless you tell them. We can't pick and choose our own mission field. We have to go where God sends us. You say, where's God sending me, Brother Eddie? I want to ask you, are all your family members say? If they're not, you need to be telling them he's coming soon. Do you know that right now God's got a hook in Russia's jaw? Right now the Middle East is blowing up. You know right now North Korea and China and everybody else is getting involved. I read yesterday where China is believed to have given the go-ahead to Mr. Trump. Go-ahead. And deal with that little stubby, demon-possessed dude up there in North, North Korea. Go ahead. Deal with him and do what you got to do. And I'll tell you why. Because China's always been in league with Russia. And Russia's in league with those Arab nations. And if China gives Mr. Thumb a thumbs up, remember, I'm scratching your back. Do whatever you want to do with them North Koreans. When they get ready to march and invade Israel, China's going to ask the USA, hey, we got to do what we got to do. I'm telling you, we're there. Are you saved? Are you saved? Have you met this resurrected Jesus? Do you have a no-so salvation? Or is Easter just a season of the year for you was it just a special occasion that you get together with your family in honor of 
a long tradition. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for it. It's a great thing to do. But that won't get you to heaven. You got to know him. Once you know him, he'll enable you to tell it wherever you go. According to my gospel, Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your word, for your spirit, for your enabling grace that we call the anointing, your touch. For every song we sang wouldn't mean anything to me if it wasn't reality by experience. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You asked me how I know he lives. He lives in my heart. It was an experience, oh God, that would merely be a song. Somebody else's story, but it's not. It's real in me today. It's just as real as the power in the blood. It's just as real as when Jesus comes in the cloud. I thank you, Lord, that I know him. More importantly, that he knows me. He's written my name in the book of life. Very soon, having prepared a mansion for me in heaven, he's coming back to receive me unto himself. That's my promise, but not mine only, but all them that love is appearing. I want to ask you this morning, here and you don't know him, you know you're not born again. You know you're not ready to see him, to stand before him. What are you waiting on? The Bible said, boast not yourself of tomorrow because you don't know what today's going to bring forth. Today's the day of salvation. You better get saved today. You can say an old country preacher in South Alabama warned me. I heard it. Probably and most likely you heard it more than once. You better get saved now. Father, I've preached what you've gave me. I've done my best. Delivered your heart through and by your spirit. Do what I can't do, Lord. Put a hook in, in the jaw. Men and women, draw us. Draw us all, one and all, saved and lost sick and well filled and empty draw us one and all to the precious side of our Savior where we like Thomas and all of the other disciples can kneel before him saying my Lord and my God and believe him for whatever the need in our life might be today find him real great power may we give witness of his resurrection in this lost and hurting world Grant it today, I pray. One and all, many as will, let's fill this altar up this morning.